turning to Revelation. Revelation, where we had our reading from. Now, this is uh, something I haven't done, covered so many, trying to cover so many verses in so little a time as uh, we've read this morning. What a wonderful subject we have here. Welcome to those that are listening or following us on the webpage and uh, podcast and things of that nature. We know there are quite a few lot listening in. And um, I'll be praying for Brother Merv. He's planning to get, get that up and running so he can't come, but he can be here in listening to us or watching us on that. So welcome to those from here and over in Israel too as they're watching. Um, <clears throat> Revelation 21. We've covered the first nine verses last time, or first eight verses last time we're together. And so this morning we move into this next wonderful portion. As you notice in the bulletin, a glimpse of the glorious celestial city is what we're looking at this morning. These verses bring into view the place that Jesus referred to in John's Gospel, chapter 14, and uh, verses 2 and 3. In my Father's house are what? Many mansions. If it were not so, I would have told you. I go to prepare a place for you. And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again and receive you unto myself, that where I am, there ye may be also. This is a promise to you who have believed. At no cost to us, but great cost to the Lord Jesus. This is the place he's gone to prepare. And so the Bible gives us a description that boggles the mind and goes far beyond anything that we humans can imagine it'll be like. Uh, just reading through it, you, you, you can stop on words, you can stop on phrases and say, well, what does that mean? <laughs> what does that look like? As we have read that this morning. In the last message, we saw the spiritual aspects of the city, verses 1 to 8. Now we look at the um, physical aspects, the physical characteristics of our heavenly home as best as John has penned them down and described them to us. And so let's look at these verses today and see if we can't catch a glimpse of the glorious city, home that awaits us. This, is, this world is not my home, I'm just a passing through. The songwriter, I don't know which one, I think it was a chorus, said time ago. Let's pray. Oh, Heavenly Father, we thank you that you have revealed these things to us. Lord, the world does not know what it's missing out on. It does not even read these verses. They're all the time down here spending their earthly life making mansions. We've got a mansion over the hilltop. We don't have to prepare. It's being prepared for us. We haven't had to pay the price. One has paid the price, the Lord Jesus, for us. This is heavenly. They concentrate on earthly things that will all one day be burnt up. Oh Lord, let us get our perspective right and let us see or have eternal values in view as we walk our pilgrim pathway. Lord, we pray for those that are not here today because of sickness and illness and age. Be with them. And if they're listening in, Lord, that they may be comforted today with the message from your word. There's a better home awaiting. There's even a better body. Lord, a glorious, immortal, eternal body reserved, Lord, for those that believe on you. I pray, Lord, for our missionaries as well, and we think of Andrew and Rachel in Israel. Protect them and guide them to the places that you would have them distribute the truth of your word. 
And may those who are reading these items and articles, particularly from their Old Testament scriptures, come to the conviction that Jesus Christ is the Messiah. He is the Creator. He is the Son of God, the one who paid the price for their redemption. Open their blind eyes that they may see. Lord, bless the word, open it to our hearts by your Holy Spirit today. And we give praise and honour to the name of the Lord Jesus. Amen. <clears throat> Following through the outline there, there's some main points and a few sub-points that haven't been put in. You might like to write them down in spaces there. We see, first of all, verses 9 and 10, the site of the superb city. <clears throat> the city identified in verse 9. There came unto me one of the seven angels who had the seven vials full of the last seven plagues. Talk with me, saying, Come here, I will show thee the bride, the Lamb's wife. And so the city is called the bride, and we'll speak of that in a moment. It is identified with its inhabitants. Uh, heaven will be heavenly because of its occupants. <laughs> uh, the, <clears throat> the city is inspected in verse 10, and the city is described from heaven, from the Lord. As it said, and he carried me away in the spirit to a great and high mountain and showed me the great city, the holy Jerusalem, descending out of heaven from God. And it seems that it is uh, suspended or touching just down on the new earth that we've spoken of last time. And John is going to about get a grand tour of this great place, this great city that is spoken of here. And so the angel revealed that he would show John the bride, the Lamb's wife, identified as the holy Jerusalem descending from God. Why is this new Jerusalem called the bride, the wife of the land, the, the, the city itself? Well, the city is beautifully adorned as a bride is beautifully adorned, as will be the church in eternity, Christ's bride at the marriage supper of the Lamb, chapter 19 and verse 7 of Revelation. The city will be spotless. The city will be pure. It's Christ's church after it is glorified, the occupants and the building together. The city will be spotlessly pure. And as I mentioned last time we were here, there's, there's no dust there. So often when it comes autumn time here, you have to wash off the car every, year, every week if you want to keep it pretty clean because of the dust that's <coughs> sailing around. Not there. The city is being compared to a bride in its beauty, an intimate relationship to Christ, the Lamb of God. It should be understood that John is not saying that the bride is the New Jerusalem, but it is being characterized as the bride, the Lamb's wife. The bride is a figure for a material city yet to come, as well as the inhabitants of the city, the church. The bride figure cannot be limited to the individuals who will live in the city. It must also include the literal city with its physical characteristics that we read of in this portion. And this section cannot apply to the millennium for the following reasons. There is a chronological progress as you read through from chapter 19 and following. And the, the, the reasons are, there is a, that re, verse 19 to 11 to 22, 21. There's Christ coming, there's Armageddon, there's Satan bound, there's Satan loosed. There's different, there's chronological things happening. And then we get to this chapter here. 
Um, sin and sinners will be present in the millennium, but sin will be absent in the New Jerusalem because sinners are present, heaven wouldn't be heaven. And so it's not speaking of that same time. Um, and the, the Jerusalem that's talked about in the millennium. The curse, 22 and verse 3, which will continue in the millennium, will be absent in the new Jerusalem. The sun, the moon, the night, which will continue in the millennium, will be absent in the new city. There will be no night. In the millennial temple, in, in the millennial time, there will be a temple that's spoken of in detail. Ezekiel 40 to 48 speak of that temple. And uh, here in this new city, there will be no temple. Verse 22 and following. Features of the New Jerusalem 21 and 2 match the description of 21.9. So they must be the same. So <clears throat> this is a new city for, the, for eternity. Uh, looking forward to the new city. Great description that we have of it here. <clears throat> so we see the splendor of the supernatural city. As we go back to Revelation 21 verse 11. We read there, having the glory of God and her light was like a stone most precious, even like a jasper stone, clear as crystal. It shines, this new city. <laughs> it shines with the very glory of God. Remember back in the Old Testament when the Jews were traveling through and they were asked to build it through the wilderness, asked to build the tabernacle. And later they built the temple. And who was in the holy of holies whose presence was seen there whose glory was shining from that place the lord's glory in the holy of holies and when they were to move camp the cloud lifted and moved they were to pack up and move when god moved them they moved and the glory of god shone there and the spectacle of nations looking on it frightened the nations to see such order with all the different camps, all the tribes and, and the tabernacle in, in the midst with the cloud in the day and the fire, pillar of fire by night. The glory of the Lord. Well, that's only a little picture of what we're going to see here as this new Jerusalem shines. Um, <clears throat> it's jasper stone, diamond, like transparent crystal. The awesome glory of the Lord will shine throughout the city. The New Jerusalem is like a diamond set in gold with the glory of God present. And so it's a splendid place. Verse 12 we find, And the wall, great and high, and the twelve gates, at the gates twelve angels, and the names written on the gates, which are the names of the twelve tribes of the children of Israel. So it had walls. Um, Tim, could you turn that heater off? It's uh, not going to be this hot in heaven. <laughs> Just right, the temperature will be. Thank you. <clears throat> the walls. Now, when we think of a wall, well, <laughs> go to Jerusalem now. What did they put a wall up? <laughs> Why did they? Separation. What's Mr. Trump called it <laughs> between Mexico and them? What are they? Separation. They want to put a wall up. And you, you think of this, uh, uh, separation. <laughs> walls are constructed to keep things in or to keep things out. Gates uh, for access. Uh, Abraham looked for a city which had foundations whose builder and maker was God. And the city will have its descendants' names engraved on his descendants, Abraham's descendants, engraved on its gates. 
to show Israel's direct role in God's program even for eternity. Interesting thoughts as we think about all these things and that's why I say it brings so much up and I'm not trying to cover it in detail, these different things. But the wall, this is symbolic of that this people, this city, those inhabitants are separated from all that is sinful. It's not to keep something in or to keep something out because access is freely available to go in and out and they shall not be shut at all by day or by night. The city gates will be open at all times for those wanting to go in. And so <clears throat> the walls, great and high, verse 12, the material material was of jasper. I mean, I'm lost for words when I speak of these things and we, as we get to them. I'm flat out pronouncing what they are, let alone knowing what they look like because I haven't had these in my possession. No gold, <laughs> No, none of these stones. Oh, I know what a diamond is. Um, Jill lost a diamond out of her engagement ring once, and oh, that's it. It's gone, and that's what the cost is involved in it. And, and she was thinking back. I caught my hand on one of the cupboards in one of the bedrooms a few days ago. We haven't vacuumed, have we? <laughs> and we went looking, and we found the diamond. <laughs> this is very small and put it back in and got the jewellers to... But, but everything else here, do you know what they look like? Maybe you've got them. Maybe you've got dangling from you. <laughs> we haven't. All those precious things. The wall of jasper, reflecting God's glory. Um, <clears throat> these are only symbolic. The 12 gates, at the, these 12 gates, what are they made of? Pearl. Uh, anyone got pearls on today? No, no one owning up to that. <laughs> there's, there's cultured pearls and the real McCoy, isn't there? The cultured pearls are a lot cheaper. No, that's good if you got them. <laughs> they're dearer, but they're still cheaper. But these pearls, every gate is a pearl. And it's almost like a revolving gate. But just to, trying to imagine that. These gates symbolise the freedom to enter in and to exit at will. And here it talks about angels that act as guards of honour. Who's been to Buckingham Palace? And yep, there's a few been. <laughs> and um, <clears throat> when you go in, what do you, what, who do you meet or who greets you? That, that don't say anything. They, don't, they just stand there <laughs> with their hats on. And I hate to be at summertime with all that woolly... And, and they stand there as on you. You want to go up and are they real? <laughs> but don't do that. And here in this place, these angels will stand guard, and that's their job, and that's what they'll do for eternity. You see, and and they enjoy and are privileged to take that place at that at the at the gates. So we see the twelve foundations. In them, the names of the 12 apostles come next. So there's the walls, the gates, and the foundations. Three different things spoken of here. Um, <clears throat> in them, the names of the 12 apostles in verse 14. 
and on the wall of the city had twelve foundations in them the name of the twelve apostles of the Lamb. And the foundations indicate the city will be on the new earth throughout all eternity. Although the twelve apostles came out of Israel, the mention of the twelve apostles, when we think of that, as in the church, we think of the church. And so it links to the church, a major role in the New Jerusalem. You've got Israel represented in the 12 gates, the pearls, the 12 tribes. You've got the foundations, the 12 foundations that are mentioned, representing and symbolic of the church. And so Israel, the church, and there's one more group of people that are mentioned in this. And it's interesting that these are mentioned. This is eternity. This is when eternity rolls on. There's another group of people in verse 24 that are mentioned, and the nations of them who are saved shall walk in the light of it. Nations. And we'll get to that in a bit to describe that. So we see the splendor of the supernatural city with all the things, and we'll get to the, the different foundations in a moment. But the size of this spacious city is the next point here. We mentioned that two weeks ago when we were looking at the first part of the chapter, but it's 12,000 furlongs, which measures 2,240 kilometers. Um, some say it's a pyramid, some say it's a cube, some say it's a sphere, and they say if it was a sphere, it would be the size of the moon, with the measurements of the moon. Um, <clears throat> and or larger, actually, than the moon. Interesting, the size of this, 12,000 furlongs, 2,240 so if you went from the, uh, where are we, uh, uh, that way I think, the Victorian border where on the east coast where Victoria and New South Wales start and go all the way to Cairns. Most of us have not even been there, but that far. And if you go from Cairns across to Broome on the other side of Australia and then square it off, that's the size. So if you, if you put it down in Australia, <clears throat> it would take most of Australia up. Someone put it this way, to grasp something of the enormity of the city, consider this, this figure. It's 40 times the area of England. It's 20 times the area of New Zealand. And I thought, that doesn't sound right. New Zealand's just that little island over there. But uh, England's half the size. And I checked it out, and it's true. <laughs> Google it. <laughs> and, so, and England proper, that's not with the Isles, but England proper. Um, <clears throat> ten times the area of Germany or of France. The ground floor alone would provide enough living space for more people than have ever lived in the history of the world. You know, say it's not going to be big enough. That's just the ground floor. I don't know if there are floors and, and going up. Um, <clears throat> and all the floors that are above it. I thought, well, check this out. England is 130 1,279 square kilometres. New Zealand is 268,000 square kilometres. Australia is 7,740,000 plus a few square kilometres. And so you sit it on Australia, um, <coughs> it takes up 5,017,600 square kilometres of Australia. It, it's enormous. This is the size of the city. So you get the dimensions of it. It's like a, a whole new world, really, the city itself. And the walls stand approximately 64, 65 metres high. Beauty rather than protection is the basis for the design of this and the size of this. 
and the, and the Lord is in the midst of it and the glorified saints are there and the light of the city will shine forth and radiate. What a wonderful place this will be. This is what God has planned for those that love him. I hath not seen, nor ear heard, neither has it entered into our hearts the things that God's prepared for them that love him. I take this literal. I take this as what God has made. He doesn't give definite sizes and measurements if it's not true. Just like he doesn't give sizes and measurements to the millennial temple, which is spoken of chapter 40, right through to chapter 48 of Ezekiel, as mentioned before. Sizes of the city, sizes of the new temple or the temple, the millennial temple at that time. They're all given. They're facts. They're true. God gives us these literal things. Let's see the substance of the celestial city, 18 to 21. The wall of clear jasper. We've mentioned that all already. And jasper and gold would look like a sparkling diamond in all its beauty. Designed to reflect the splendor and the luster and the glory of God. A city beyond description. The city pure gold, transparent gold. And the foundations. And the, the, uh, they are given here and we'll go through these words and try to explain what these different foundations look like and the glory of the Lord shining through these. I've always thought of those lapidarians. Um, what do you call them? They get stones out of the creeks. Um, Mr. Furlong was one, and a man that, and his wife that taught us Sunday school. And they'd go all around Australia on their holidays and they'd sit in, in the creeks with their deck chairs or the, the, you know, one of those chairs you sit in and they'd be gathering rocks. They'd pick up rocks and they'd know what, knew what to look for. They'd take them back to Emerald, where I lived, and they'd put them in this thing, that, a tumbler, and tumble them around with grit in it. And after a few months, they'd bring them out all shining, all colourful, just rocks. <laughs> I thought they were just rocks. You look at them in the creek, they're just dirty old grey rocks. But you get them out and tumble them clean and they come up shining. And I thought to myself, when I was only young, I thought, if... When God created the world, he created the rivers and creeks with the rocks in them that were all shiny like this and didn't have the effects of sin. What would this place look like with water running through it and the sun shining on it? Can you imagine that through the bush there would be um, rainbows flashing up out of the creek everywhere? You know, sin hadn't taken its effect there, but it has now. But you clean those rocks up and they, some of them you can see through, some of them are, are all different colours as they cut them and as they polish them. The city of Jerusalem will have all these aspects without being tarnished and the glory and the light of God, brighter than the sun that we know, shining through it. And this will glisten and shine, I believe, in its place in space, out, outward, like the sun shines in its strength now, depicting the wonderful power and the glory of the Lord himself. Well, the first one is Jasper. Now, eight of these stones appear on the breastplate of the high priest in Exodus 28:17 and following. But the first one, Jasper, this is a, a clear crystal like a diamond, and we've referred to that quite often already. And refracts all the colours of the spectrum in the wondrous, its wondrous brilliance. The sapphire is blue in colour. 
and may be flecked with gold. The chalcedony in verse 19 is a transluent, milky or greyish quartz with coloured stripes running through it. The emerald is a brilliant grass green, transparent variety of beryl. The sardonyx is an onyx stone with altering brown and white bands running through it. The sardis is a red transluent stone like a ruby. The chrysolite is gold in colour resembling a yellow beryl or a golden jasper stone. The beryl is a transluent bluish or sea green coloured stone. The topaz is a transluent yellow or yellowish stone. So you start to get what this found, these foundations look like. <laughs> the chrysophis is a transluent apple green stone. Jacinth is a transluent bluish smoky violet colored stone and the amethyst is a brilliant purple or violet transparent stone. So here are the brilliant stones of the foundation of this wonderful city listed verse 18 down to where is it verse 20. 18, 19 and 20 there. This glory and light shining from the Lord Jesus and God the Father will blaze throughout eternity through these foundation stones. Um, <clears throat> all eternity. The gates, as we mentioned, are great pearls, unparalleled and open all the time. It's not closed. No enemies around. Don't have to shut. See, we don't in our day, we don't get the importance of gates. We've got an army that looks after us, ships out there, aeroplanes. But in that day, the city had the walls and the gates, and they were very important. And to a reader in that day reading this, it gave them the sense of security. But when an enemy came, the gates were shut. The herald called out and the gates were shut. But in this city, there is no enemy that's going to come. The city will be open at all times to all those who are there. You know, we hear, and I like the song, the um, Jerusalem, Jerusalem, that song. It's a wonderful song. And then it, it, it says, and nobody will be denied. I thought, yeah, because those that will be denied have already been taken care of. It's already the, the judgment has happened. The great white throne has ju judgment has happened. They're already confined to the pit. Here, the city is open to all, and nobody will be denied. Understanding it in its context of what that means. Uh, <clears throat> the street is talking about the street of being of pure gold. So the substance of the celestial city is wonderful. The size, the splendor, the sight, the source of light for the celestial city is given in verse 22. And no temple in it, the Lord God Almighty and the Lamb are the temple of it. And the city had no need of the sun, neither of the moon, to shine in it, for the glory of, the, of God did, sh did lighten it. And the Lamb is the light of the temple, or the, the, the light of it, not the temple. <coughs> so the, he is the source of light. What, is it, what did the Lord Jesus say? I am the light of the world. And often in the Gospel of John, the light is spoken of. He came into the world as the light. And he is the light. And if you have not come to the light, you need to come to the Lord Jesus Christ. Access to God through him. Uh, <clears throat> no need of the temple. 
is ascents. It's access to God and the ascents of this the light will not come from the sun or moon. And notice there, there is no need of the sun or moon. It doesn't say that there is, they are not. Although the, the heavens fled away when the judgment happened, but there is no need of it because the Lord is the light of it. And we need nothing else than the light of the Lord Jesus in our lives, don't we? Um, he is the son of righteousness for us. The citizens of the celestial city are spoken of in verse 24. And the nations of them who are saved shall walk in the light of it. And the kings of the earth do bring their glory and honor into it. In the context. Who are these inhabitants, these nations that are coming into it? And bring their glory and honor into it. And the kings of the earth do bring their glory and honor into it. And the gates of it shall not be shut day or night. They have access constantly. And so the citizens of the city are who? Who have we already seen in represented in the foundations and in the, the gates? Israel, glorified Israel, the church, the 12 apostles and the foundations. And now we have, as it were, the Gentiles is used. The word nations means Gentiles. Not in a political sense, but referring to saved Gentiles living in the eternal state who are not part of Israel, not part of the church. Where did they come from? We are talking about this yesterday with brother to come to visit, visit with us. The church is there, Israel there, but then the Gentiles. Where, what, who are these nations that are walking in the light of it and having access? Where do they live according to these verses? Well, they're in the new earth they're on the new earth and they walk in the light of the city the new city new jerusalem where do they come from who is not part of the church or israel but are redeemed for eternity there's another group the millennial saints the tribulational saints some say they put in with the old testament saints it's interesting that they're there and, and there'll be multitudes of them. There'll be a thousand years where they can live to a thousand years old and they'll multiply. It was interesting what Brother Mackay was saying on, the, on Wednesday there, that um, <clears throat> though Noah and Mrs. Noah lived for 900 and something years, how many kids did they have? That we know of anyway. That's a, three. It's interesting, isn't it? I don't know if in, in, in uh, millennial reign where they live a lot longer, that they'll have kids a lot more. I, <laughs> that's up. That we'll see. <laughs> we'll see when we get there. But these, I believe, the kings of the earth and those who have risen to power in that future time and bring their glory into it, into the new Jerusalem in that time. And... Uh, as it reads in verse 26, bring their glory and honor of the nations into it, that's the kings do, and they sh there shall in no wise enter into it anything that defileth, neither he that worketh abomination, nor maketh a lie, but they who are written in the Lamb's book of life. And we've looked at the Lamb's book of life already. Only redeemed people are in the Lamb's book of life. We can be assured that for eternity remember the saying I said there'll be you can't follow me home you might get to me now but you can't follow me home 
Who can't follow us home to this celestial city? They will in no wise enter into it. Give me a few things. Liars. Liars. Blasphemers. Blasphemers. Satan. Self. Sin. Unrighteousness of any kind. Bank manager. (laughs) 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 Or or your super fund manager. (laughs) Can't get at your dollars anymore. Uh, We've heard a lot about that on the news. These things can't follow you home. If your home is heaven, we have to start thinking about the things that are not going to be there and glorify God that they're not. Because heaven wouldn't be heaven if these things happen. The the, the debt collector, well, you shouldn't have got into debt anyway. But anyway, these things, the policeman can't follow you home with his siren. There's no need of the police. There's no need of an army. There's no need of robbers. There, there won't, won't be any robbers. You know, what are you going to rob? The city is made of gold. You can't take the city. But all of those people with an intent to harm or to hurt the saints down here, and the folks that live in China, the folks that live in Russia, the, the folks that live in North Korea that are believers now, they're always under threat. They're always thinking, you know, when will I be captured? They cannot be followed home by those evil people that would intend to do them harm. We can thank God that this is a city the citizens of, uh, whose citizens are very secure. It will be a sinless and a sanctified city according to verse 27 in the outline. No danger, no perils, no problems. You know, sometimes, and this is what the church has got it all wrong today, they think heaven is down here are we there yet no we're not there yet these things will trouble us ye shall have tribulation you will suffer the righteous will suffer it's said that if you live a righteous life in peter you will suffer but not in heaven you know the future is as bright as the promises of god and we have some wonderful promises from the lord here it's a blessed place a glorious place a sinless place the sustenance of the citizens of heaven is given in verse 1 and 2 of the next chapter. He showed me a pure river of water of life, clear as crystal, proceeding out of the throne of God and of the Lamb. And in the midst of the street of, the, of it and on either side of the river was a tree of life, which bore twelve kinds of fruits and yielded her fruit every month. And the leaves of the city, uh, the leaves of the tree were for the healing of the nations. So... <clears throat> The crystal river, the water of life, the healing tree, the bread of life. We've got some wonderful thoughts in these verses here. The millennial temple in Ezekiel 47, there is spoken about. But this is not the millennial temple. This is the eternal city of God without a temple. John divulges here the paradise qualities of the New Jerusalem. The city will be exhibited paradise restored. And you read there and say, why do we have a healing of the nations? Why are there leaves for the healing of these people? 
Why are there fruits that are born there? Why are these things necessary in eternity where we have an immortal body? Uh, these are questions that I come with when I come to a portion like this. There, there is no sin, there's no Satan. We've just talked about the wonderful place, but then it talks about these eating stuff, uh, stuff provided, heal, healing. Will there be sicknesses? Uh, what in this ver these verses is talked about? In verse 2, right in the middle of it, there's a tree of life. Have you heard about that one before? Right back in the Garden of Eden. Where there's a tree of life that they were told not to eat of. And here it is. And they were forbidden to go back into the garden by an angel set in the way so that they wouldn't eat of the tree of life and what? Live forever in a fallen state. But here is the tree of life. <laughs> Again, at the other end of the revelation of God, Genesis, now we come to Revelation, the tree of life. And in some wise, it is a benefit, this tree of life, to those that are living there <coughs> with eternal bodies. Twelve kinds of fruits. Every month, the old orange tree is only once a year. Every tree is usually once a year. It bears fruit. But this is different to any known and not an annual harvest, but every month, a monthly harvest. And it, 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 There's another thing that comes up when you think of that. Months, 12, time. It's spoken of. We're speaking, speaking of eternity here, but here's time mentioned. Um, passing time in eternity will be <laughs> measured in some way. I've, I've put, in, put down here, don't throw your clocks away yet. <laughs> It seems there is still, or your calendar maybe, there is something that in eternity will give us a sense of passing of time. But we're so used to it down here, aren't we? Especially when you get older, you get time's passing. Haven't got long left. Um, <clears throat> but the text here gives no indication that mankind in their glorified body will need the fruit or even partake of the fruit, but it is there. And it may be symbolic of the provision of the Lord Jesus in giving us himself as the bread of life and the water as the water of life. Just as we remember the Lord in the Lord's Supper that we celebrate. This do in remembrance of me. And for eternity we will remember as we see these things, as we pass by them in, these, in the street, that this is, I am only here because of what he did. I'm only in heaven because of what Jesus paid the ultimate price for the healing of the nations it reads in verse 2 and it comes from the Greek word that means therapeutic or health giving and there's no diseases to heal the curse has been removed according to verse 3 the leaves will be in some unknown way enhance the joy of life for eternity and it reads in verse 4 and they shall see the face see his face and his name shall be in their foreheads. And there shall, in no, there shall be no night there. There will be no need of the candle, neither of the sun. The Lord giveth them light, and they shall reign forever and ever. For eternity, we shall see his face, as it reads there in verse 4. We'll look upon him. And we will remember what he has done for us. We'll look at all the things that he's provided for us. And we'll be forever thankful. You know, we read in the scriptures about angels that say, Say, holy, 
holy, holy Lord God Almighty. And what do they say again? Holy, holy. And what do they say again? (laughs) And how long have they been saying that? And how long will they say it for? Are they bored with that? Not at all. Not at all. That's what God made them for. And when we get to heaven in our glorified body and are in the celestial city that we've spoken of this morning, we will not get bored. There will be things to do. And if we're assigned to something like that, we will be completely satisfied to do that for eternity, whatever it is. And you know, when Jesus spoke about us going to, to, into eternity and giving us rewards and, and ru- ruling and reigning, that we, we just read that in verse 5. There'll be something to do. It speaks of service. And they that have done well and followed the, hard after the Lord and been separated and sanctified in this life will receive greater reward than those that just, just get in. As 1 Corinthians 3, yet as by fire they get into heaven. There are things in eternity we don't know about, but if you're faithful here, you're rewarded then in some way that God knows and God's got planned out. What are you doing for the Lord now? How are you serving him? How are you ministering to him? I urge you to think of it. How are you using your talent for him? Because there is things in eternity that depend on what you do now. Lay up tre- What does it say? Lay up treasures in heaven where thieves and rust and moths cannot come and corrupt and corrode and take away. How are you laying up treasures in heaven or all your treasures and your thoughts and, and your, your passions are down here? Think about this. Think about heaven. There's so much in these verses I've just tried to cover in a brief time and it's all over <laughs> time. The, hey, let's sit down in eternity and let's go through this again <laughs> and say, look, <laughs> let's pull our Bibles out, <laughs> sit down and, oh, that's what it meant. <laughs> that's how it was, what it was trying to, I couldn't imagine it. <laughs> but we'll be able to sit down and talk about this for eternity, if we're allowed to. <laughs> Only as the Lord wills. If you're not saved, if you haven't believed on the Lord Jesus Christ, it's so important today that you believe. You're going to miss out on all of this if you do not believe. Now, we shouldn't maybe putting it like that. We should be saying you need to repent of your sin and get saved. (laughs) Turn to the Lord in faith. Believe on him while it is the day of salvation. Why not right now? Heaven is a prepared place for a prepared people. And if you're not prepared by the saving grace of God to, to go there, you won't get there. Trust the Lord. Believe in your heart that God hath raised him from the dead and thou shalt be saved. Let's close. Thank you, Lord, for your word. Lord, the feeble effort to try to describe what is undescribable is given to man in the pulpit today. Lord, I pray that your people would go home and read through this and go even to looking at words and phrases in this wonderful portion of Scripture describing the place you've gone to prepare for us and that they might be blessed beyond degree and so excited and encouraged that they'll start inviting others to the city too that would go out and witness for you sow seeds of the gospel that people might join with us Lord I pray for the children of the church that may not comprehend the, the wonder of this 
that they might, Lord, get a hold of it and that they might set their affections on things above them. Then they might, like Abraham, look for a city whose builder and maker is God, eternal in the heavens. And Lord, they would become your children. Help us each as parents and grandparents to, in every way possible, encourage our children to know you, to honour you, and to look forward to your coming. We ask and pray these things in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen.